You're listening to Branch Out by Sycamore. You make a good point that the physician is as much a victim of the system as the patients are in a lot of cases. There's an old saying that too many cooks spoil the food. So that's what's happening in this scenario. Traditionally, it has to be a, a patient seeking care and the physician who is treating or healing the problem. But with this multiple players in the middle, there is dissatisfaction on both ends. The sacred relationship no longer very sacred. And again, I totally understand as a patient, I had a few experiences taking my family members to the hospital. Yeah. And when I end up seeing the huge big bills, I totally realize how painful it is to be on the other side of the big healthcare system. And the same care, which can be very cheap, has now become very tough to get and very expensive. I'm Larson Hicks, CEO of Sycamore, and welcome to Branch Out, where I chat with healthcare professionals about broad-reaching topics like their careers in medicine, hobbies and pursuits outside the hospital, and everything in between. Welcome, Dr. Mohammed, to Branch Out with Sycamore. It's good to have you. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well, so just to give kind of a, an intro to the episode, Sycamore is a company that's really interested in physicians branching out and being independent, doing things their own way. We think that a healthcare system where more physicians uh, take uh, the lead as uh, independent doctors who start their own businesses or, or who are independent of a, of a traditional kind of W-2 job is going to be a better healthcare system. So we're excited to have you on the show to kind of tell us about how you've branched out and how you've approached your career as a physician. So thanks again for being on the show. Sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So where are you today geographically? I'm in Dallas, Texas. Okay. Nice. I grew up in Texas, so and I've got family near Dallas, so love that part of the world. So how long have you been in Dallas? It's almost three years for me in Dallas. I originally lived in Chicago for 12, 13 years, and then also lived in Alabama for uh, almost two years before uh, oh, moving to Texas. Two of the best states in the country. Nicely done. You're doing it right. I know that about it. <laughs> so I live here in, in Huntsville, so just a little north of uh, Coleman. Huntsville is like just blowing up. It's, it's crazy. It's a crazy time. The city's growing so fast. I lived in Madison, and in, in a span of two years, I have seen a lot of changes. Yeah, big time. So you are a hospital medicine physician, is that correct? Or no, an emergency medicine physician. That's correct. And how long have you been practicing as an ER doctor? Almost five years and practicing in emergency medicine. I always think it's helpful just to kind of understand your perspective. Why'd you get into medicine? How'd you get into medicine? What's what's kind of your story there? The story goes back to my childhood. I would say that I was fortunate to be born in a family of physicians. My father was a traditional family physician back in India. And I mean, now he's retired. So I saw him growing up as a physician. And I was very impressed the way he used to deal or treat his patients, the respect he got from the society, the appreciation he yeah. had, and overall, the satisfaction of being a physician by serving the community, by serving the people, speaks a lot in itself. So that inspired me uh, a lot to choose my career as a physician. 
uh, as I took my father as a role model in my childhood. Very cool. And did you say both your parents were physicians? My father was a physician and extended family members were physicians. Okay, got it. You said you grew up in India, correct? How have you seen that, that physicians are treated or respected differently in the United States versus versus India? Or, or is there much of a difference? Times are changing, so there is not much difference as of now. Back in the days, I was talking like in early or mid-90s. When I was in during my high school years, uh, there used to be like classic sacred uh, physician-patient relationship. In some parts of the India, they even considered physician as a god, as a life savior. That was kind of a different level of respect. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So it's very inspiring when someone in that position gets that respect and you see them as a role model. And you want to be uh, like them or at least be uh, close to them. Again, comparing the U.S. healthcare system and healthcare system in the third world countries, definitely there is a difference. America is definitely the or at least one of the uh, best healthcare systems in the whole world. There is a huge difference in advancement in technology. But again, for physicians, fortunately, they are considered to be one of uh, special class of the society in terms of respect, in terms of job markets, and again, in public, uh, as long as you're helping people uh, in the times when they need the most. Right. I think it's, it's a very noble profession. Absolutely. I mean, we, we obviously agree with you that, that physicians are pursuing a very noble occupation. I feel like it, it has lost some of its respect in more recent times. And I think it's it's partially just this kind of pervasive egalitarianism in our in our society, which you know some of which is is okay, right, and and healthy. But but on the flip side, you know, I think there's there's this kind of um, sense that well, they they make a lot of money, so they're privileged, and we shouldn't respect them or look at them as being special. And I don't know that that people, at least your everyday person, really appreciates how. A, how difficult it is you know, to, to become a physician, but B, how stressful it is to be a physician, especially in a hospital system. As an ER doctor, you're dealing with, you know, all manner of different kinds of patients and you're seeing things on a regular basis that would give most of us nightmares, right? <laughs> and and on top of that, you've got all of this pressure, you know, of kind of the bureaucracy and the politics of modern medicine. So to me, I you know, I, I personally, it's kind of just a personal pet peeve, but but I really do think our society owes a lot more of a debt of gratitude to physicians than we give. Yeah, I agree with you. And you have very beautifully and concisely presented the pain points or the problems. So things along with the positive sides of being a physician, there are some downsides, or I would say the problems associated of being a physician, especially in the last 10 to 15 years or maybe right. a little more. Used to be in the past when we used to have this sacred patient-physician relationship and when patients used to go to the office and the physicians knew them just more than a patient. And now with the invention uh, of uh, big healthcare systems, electronic healthcare records, and in an attempt to make healthcare more technologically advanced and better, we have lost some of, I would say, the golden era of medicine. 
And that's when the general population, the patients, started to realize that there's a lack of uh, personal touch to medicine. And there is huge misconception uh, that physicians make a lot of money and whatever they pay, uh, whatever the bills the patients end up paying goes everything to the physician. But the fact is that the, the physicians, uh, if you're coming from a physician community or background, you know that uh, what you get paid is maybe just a very, very small portion Absolutely. of uh, what the patients pay. So, uh, again, the system, the bureaucracy, and other multiple factors have contributed negatively, too, for the physician. You make a really good point, and it's something that, that, that uh, I don't think of often enough, but the fact that everybody's dissatisfied with healthcare system in, in America. You're absolutely right to say that it's, it's, it's one of the best in the world. There's no doubt that the, the, the kind of care, the access to treatment that, that we have in America is wonderful. Um, but so many of us are really frustrated with, with the system. We're frustrated with sitting in waiting rooms for, you know, for half a day and, and being treated like cattle, you know, that are just kind of being, you know, moved through, um, through the the uh, shoot as quickly as possible, and and then you know th- we see these just exorbitant fees for what seem to be routine treatments or tests, and really crazy high insurance costs, and and I think all of this adds up to a experience as patients that's that's um, a bit frustrating, and and I think more often than not a lot of people point back at the physician. You know, they feel like it's the physician's fault. And and you make a good point that it's that the physician is as much a victim of the system as the patients are in a lot of cases. That's true. Uh, that's so true. Uh, in fact, like, uh, I, I believe that one of the casualty of the advance or the better healthcare system is the physician and the patient. And as there's an old saying that too many cooks spoil the food, so that's what's happening in this scenario. Traditionally, it has to be a, a patient seeking care and the physician who is treating or healing the problem. But with this multiple players in the middle, there is dissatisfaction on both ends. Uh, and again, uh, from the physician's perspective, I thought uh, uh, all these multiple factors is leading to kind of uh, not completely they are satisfied with what they are doing. Because if you look back, Physicians, uh, as a physician, you have sacrificed your uh, youth, your time, uh, your family time, and definitely uh, a finan- lot of finances and loans uh, to, get, to get to a point where uh, or to achieve your passion. Because physicians, to start with, they are very compassionate. They are the people who actually love and want to help people when they need them the most. But when they meet their real world, the things are a little different. That uh, they seem that the sacred relationship, what I talked about, is no longer very sacred. So it has been diluted. So this is causing a dissatisfaction. And again, I totally understand uh, as a patient. Uh, I mean, I had a few experiences taking my family members or my kids uh, to the hospital yeah. and to the clinic. And when I end up seeing the huge, big bills, I totally realize the other side, uh, how painful it is to be on the other side uh, of this whole, uh, I would say, uh, the big healthcare system. And patients definitely have the right uh, to be not happy. And as you rightly pointed out, 
that uh, the same care, uh, which can be very cheap and affordable, uh, has now become uh, very tough to get and uh, very expensive. Yeah, I think one one of the things that I pointed out to a friend recently that that I think your your last point alludes to is this: you, you kept you, you've mentioned the sacred patient, you know, uh, physician relationship. And I think pe- something that more people should know and don't is that a, a large percentage, um, I don't know what the percentage is, you might be able to tell me, but a, a very large percentage of physicians are, um, are employees, right? And as employees, they may have taken, as a physician, they may have taken the Hippocratic Oath, but their employers have not. Right. So the, the CEO of the hospital or the, you know, the, the, um, the people that are in authority over them in the practice may not have taken the Hippocratic oath. And so they may be asking or pressuring a doctor to do something that, um, that he or she doesn't really feel comfortable doing. Yes. Happens, uh, in real life scenarios when you are faced with, when you as a physician are faced with challenges to, Focus on the patient and the problem and uh, try to do your best to help the patient out. Simultaneously, you have to also keep in mind that you are employed and you have to keep your employer uh, happy to have job security. And uh, on also, uh, you have your own personality and your own uh, compassion, your goals, your dreams sure. uh, that you are chasing and have worked so hard to get in, get to that point. So at one point, any physician is struggling on these three uh, battlegrounds uh, within himself and with the environment. So it, it's, it's becoming tough. It's becoming tough. Um, but um, as a physician, you have to do the right thing for the patient. And uh, no matter how hard it is, and sometimes the situation gets challenging. And I think when situation gets challenging, that's the real test of a physician to stand by the oath what you talked about. Totally. It's a difficult time. I mean, it's a really difficult time. And, and you don't just see it in medicine. I mean, I, I think so many in all professions, you know, more and more, um, it's the case that, that people are employed by large corporations that they really feel like they don't have any control over, um, but they also feel like, you know, have very strict codes of how you're allowed to talk or things you're allowed to say or not say or do. And so a lot of Americans right now, I think, feel gagged, you know, so to speak, or, or held back in some way. And all of this is builds up, you know, coming back to physicians, it, it, it adds up to a, a scenario where a lot of physicians just tap out. They say, it's, I'm, I'm done. You know, I, I can't handle this. I want to just go do something that's not stressful. That's not corporate. I just want to get out. And, and it's a shame because they've, they've invested so much time, so much energy, um, so much of their life, so much money, um, to get to where they are. And now they're, and now the, the system has kind of chewed them up and spit them out. So what, I mean, what do you, what do you do? You know, I mean, what, what's the solution? How, how do you think about how more doctors can take back, you know, their, their calling of practicing medicine? Yeah. Um, you have said very rightly, uh, 
because of all this external pressures, demands, uh, expectations, uh, and uh, to deliver uh, all those requirements, uh, more and more positions are kind of calling it a day. Uh, especially like uh, in their 50s and 60s. Uh, so I feel that this is taking positions, uh, especially the experienced positions, uh, away from the system at least 10 to 15 years earlier, uh, which they could have still spent in the medicine uh, moving forward. Um, I'm not sure we have like a great solution for this problem yet, but uh, I think... Uh, uh, we have to start from somewhere. Right. The physicians have to kind of start speaking it out and try to find and come up with solutions. Uh, again, as I said, uh, physicians are finding alternate uh, jobs or alternate uh, ways of uh, making money. So they are kind of getting involved in uh, some non-clinical careers or some other businesses, for example. Right. So... I think bringing that focus back, uh, raising the voice, doing the right thing, and uh, getting these points across to the authority, uh, especially to the decision-making people. Yeah, I think uh, the the conversation has to start, and hopefully, I'm as a person, I'm very optimistic, and I still feel that uh, there is hope, and uh, things can be done much better. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your company, because I know that that uh, and I imagine that some of this, some of these frustrations probably played into your decision to start um, to start this business. So can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of a healthcare technology platform. We call it as a VivoDoc. Okay. So what we are trying to do is we are connecting patients and physicians directly uh, and providing them with the one single platform for all the physician's needs as well as the patient needs. So our journey starts when a patient uh, is searching for a particular provider or uh, searching for a particular problem. Most of the time, patients uh, Google their symptoms and sometimes they overreact or underreact. Right. When they overreact, they end up showing the ER and 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 get, get a high bill uh, for the problems. They don't need to go to the ER. Right? And sometimes if they underreact, they end up uh, having a bigger healthcare problem. So what we did is we kind of optimized that problem and uh, we help and guide the patients by choosing the right care at the right time. Uh, so a patient chats with a virtual physician or a virtual nurse on a platform, and we have this medical-grade information in the back end that will guide them to, uh, or at least recommend them of what needs to be done at that particular time. Based on the outcome of the conversation, we provide them the recommendations of physicians. If they need to see a specialist, we give them the list of specialists based on a number of criteria using artificial intelligence and machine learning. And the patients can pick and choose the physician they want to see uh, based on the ratings, based on the reviews, and uh, language spoken proximity and a number of factors. That's great. Yeah. If they have insurance, they can verify the eligibility. Or if they don't, they can also uh, utilize the cash pay option, which is in fact set by the physician himself. So there is... There is 100% transparency, no surprise billing, 
and once the appointment is done, they don't expect any bills, right? And and well, yeah. On the other side, for physicians themselves, is uh, they are getting patients uh, who are much more satisfied. They'll be able to spend more time with the patients. I mean, there's a lot more features, so this is just a very brief gist of what you're trying to do. That's awesome. So it's really about, I mean, it's really about a optimizing the utilization of care so that so that people are going to the right doctor at the right time and not and not necessarily you know jumping around to a bunch of different specialists or or going you know like you said going to overreacting going to the ER when they really don't need to um and then it sounds like you you said there's also this feature where you know at the end of this conversation or this um this experience where you're you're getting medical grade information through artificial intelligence and machine learning, you end up with um, recommendations of specific um, physicians in your area. And you're told you're, you're even given um, the cost of what your visit's going to be up front. Yes. In fact, we try to, uh, if they have insurance, we try to get them the approximate copay, what they might have based on the type of insurance uh, they are carrying. Or as I said, if they don't have insurance, they, the physicians set their own price. And it's very clear to the patient that if they, for example, paying $100 for the visit, and that's what the visit costs. That's great. And uh, the, the physicians are very accessible. Right? So if you try to make an appointment, there might be a waiting time for a weeks and in some worst cases, a month uh, just with certain specialists. So what we try to do is like cut the time off and uh, try to connect that patient to that particular specialist or provider right. as soon as possible with the earliest appointment available. That's awesome. You're having a almost kind of a triage experience using telehealth or telemedicine in uh, on a on a online you know platform, and then and but then it's kind of bridging the gap from telehealth to to um, to in person. Is there any is there any telemedicine care that's delivered through the system or, or through any of these, these physicians or, or is it all in-person um, um, visits that happen at the end of the, you know, at, at the end of the process? So uh, what we call, as you rightly said, is a self-triage mechanism, right? So after the self-triage patient, patient has an option uh, whether they want to see the physician in person or through telemedicine. So if they choose to see through telemedicine, we provide them, uh, we provide physicians their own dedicated telemedicine platform. Yeah. And which is completely HIPAA compliant and has all modern features uh, with uh, reminders, texting and everything. That's great. And uh, w- once the appointment is done, yeah. And uh, once the appointment is done, uh, they can either choose to follow up or if there's no need for follow up. Uh, they can just leave uh, some comments, reviews, uh, or rate the position accordingly. That's awesome. I think it's great. I mean, I, I think it's funny because so many, you call it self-triage, and it's it's interesting because I think so many physicians are frustrated by the, the patients that spend all this time researching, you know, their their uh, symptoms and conditions on the on the internet and feel like it's it's almost like a problem. And I can see how it is, certainly, in a lot of cases, but... But, you know, the idea of saying, look, patients are doing it, whether we like it or not, let's figure out how to make that better. Like, let's figure out a way to empower patients to do that 
um, in a way that's actually going to result in, in better care and not in misinformation. So I think it's, I think it's great. It's, it's funny. I mean, just, just as you're talking about, I'm thinking about all the physicians I've heard complain about this problem over and over and, and uh, you're not going to change human nature. You're not going to change, you know, the fact that people today are used to being able to pull up Google and do research and figure things out. And um, so, so why not go with the grain instead of fighting it? Yeah. Why not to make that research more refined and more kind of a, uh, have them make an educated or an informed decision? Uh, so what they are seeking for and what they are getting. So our our features won't end there. So one, uh, once an appointment is made, which is in fact a real-time appointment, uh, so the way uh, we, we uh, create an appointment is we integrate with physicians' existing EMR and we pull up the real-time availabilities so the patient knows. Wow which time slot uh, they can uh, choose and what's the exact appointment time they have. And that appointment is directly made into the physician's EMR or, the, or calendar. So physicians knows that this patient with so-and-so complaint issue is coming up at this time. And the patient can uh, complete their mobile intake management, which means that they can enter all their information, uh, like uh, medic medications, allergies, uh, past medical history, and whatnot. And that information is already transmitted to the physician even before the patient shows up in their office or before they show up on the telemedicine platform. So it's kind of a, uh, trying to create more convenience uh, for the physicians yeah. and save time on both ends. Uh, usually it was frustrating for patients to wait in the waiting rooms for uh, extended amount of time signing all the paperwork. So if we save time on both ends, uh, there will be better patient satisfaction as well as physicians. They don't have to spend the extra time, uh, which they could have spent with the family or doing their activities, what they love to do. I think it's really cool, and I'm I'm really excited for you. How how long is has this has VivoDoc been in operation? How long have you been working on this? We have started working on this uh, more than a year ago. I would say like early uh, 2020. For the last couple of years, I had this uh, kind of zeal or passion to do something different. And having seen this healthcare system, uh, seen the pain points uh, firsthand and experienced it uh, to some extent, um, and I, I felt that I'm obliged uh, to my community, uh, to my profession, uh, to do something better or make their lives better, makes the difference, make it more convenient, time saving. Sure. So, and then, so fortunately, I came across with the people who are expert in this field of technology as well as field of medicine. And this idea of uh, VivoDoc evolved, and we started building on this. And uh, our platform is ready to be launched. And uh, as we speak, we are getting ready to launch, and most likely, we will be launching next week or so. Wow, that's amazing. Congratulations. That's exciting. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure it's been a ton of work, and uh, and I, I'm I'm curious about just your journey. Become have you been an entrepreneur? Have you done a lot of other business um, ventures like this, or is this your first? Uh, this is uh, this is my first, I would say, uh, first venture, and 
uh, kind of like I, I feel that every physician has some sort of entrepreneur uh, inside. It's just a matter of time to uh, give your uh, entrepreneur inside a chance uh, and kind of work on it and uh, kind of bring your dream to reality. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm I'm really interested in your thoughts. I mean, I, I'm sure this will change after you launch the the product and and see how the market responds to it. And you know, I'm sure you've got a lot of work and challenges ahead of you as you as you get this thing out there. But but at this point in the process, I mean, w- would you say that this has been a a rewarding experience? Do you think this has made you a better doctor or or is this, uh, this, you feel like this is something that's pulling you away from medicine? How, how have you thought about this experience as a physician? My experience is very positive. Uh, I would say that I had a very steep learning curve, and uh, b- both as a physician and as an entrepreneur. As a physician, I was able to learn the other side of medicine, uh, which is the management how things work uh, uh, on the insurance side of things, uh, what are the challenges uh, patients face when they are looking for a physician and trying to make an appointment. Right. And uh, uh, also financially, like how our system is designed in a way that is kind of stripping off for patients as well as the providers. So I, I have learned those details which I was not able to learn or uh, during my med school or residency uh, or maybe early years of uh, emergency medicine practice. So this has helped me a lot and definitely helped me uh, kind of uh, look things differently, look things with a broader perspective. Uh, I'm uh, still practicing uh, medicine and I love medicine. Uh, that's my passion. Uh, yep. But I, now I look things very differently, and now I try to step into the shoes of my patients, and then try to see what best I can do for them as a physician. Uh, and as an entrepreneur, definitely, uh, as I said, I was not born as an entrepreneur, uh, and I was not trained in my med school as a, for entrepreneurship. So, uh, but as I said, I, I had this uh, something inside, uh, and I worked on it. And it has been a very rewarding and satisfactory experience, I would say. That's great. Well, I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of entrepreneurship, and I'm a, a huge fan of of more and more people pursuing their own businesses, pursuing independence. I think that that one of the big one of the great tragedies of of kind of the modern, at least in modern America, is that because so many people our are employed and 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 don't own property or own businesses um the vast majority of americans at least have no real skin in the game in 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 the sense that they don't they don't really understand how things work uh kind of behind the scenes when it comes to regulations and when it comes to sort of the the details of of business and one of the things that's that's really ironic is is you I meet, I'm sure you meet emergency physicians who feel like they are God's gift to medicine because they they are a board certified emergency medicine physician and and there's this kind of arrogance about, you know, I know what I'm talking about. I know how everything works. And as you just said, the experience of of starting a business has has given you this whole 
new perspective on on what what's happening under the surface, you know, what's happening behind the scenes. And those things really do impact how you practice medicine. Yeah, sure. I mean, this has taught me uh, how a physician uh, can be humble, uh, how can we connect uh, to a person uh, who is uh, having the worst day of their life. How can we set aside all the egos and try to be another human being? It's great to see somebody who, you know, instead of doing what most of us do, which is just to complain about, you know, how broken things are and how we wish they were better, that it's great to meet meet one of the few people that goes out and actually does something about it. So I'm I'm really excited about that and I think that um I think that more physicians again uh, who jump in and pursue um pursue fixing not not just you know, their own personal, um, practice, um, or practice of medicine, but, but actually fix, try to fix more and more of the, the, um, broken aspects of the healthcare system. Um, I think, I think we're gonna end up with a better healthcare system, um, in the future. If we get more and more doctors excited about, about trying their hand at, at actually making a, making a, a change, you know, to, to how things are done. Definitely. I think uh, I personally encourage uh, all the healthcare professionals uh, to get involved uh, based on their capacity, based on the interest and what they love to do. Yeah. Because uh, we are the frontline people and who knows best better than us. Uh, and uh, we know the problem and we know the solution. It's a matter of time. We actually bring the solution to how to implement the solution, I would say. I think now this is the time. We have the opportunity. Now more and more physicians are looking into it or thinking about it or at least talking about it. I think the market is open uh, to that opportunity. So I, I think definitely it's, it's, it's worth, worth a try. What have been the biggest challenges to you so far as you've as you've made this jump from being a physician into... And I know you're still practicing, but but this this new pursuit uh, as an entrepreneur, what have been the biggest surprises and challenges to you that, that you've had to overcome or or deal with? The surprises is to know more about the healthcare system. Um, at some point, uh, as a physician, I thought uh, I'm a physician, spend uh, ten to twelve years. Uh, now I know everything, but I realized that. Uh, uh, the more you spend time, the more you work, uh, the less you know about it. Hmm, interesting. That's uh, something it surprises me every day uh, that uh, how every day I can learn more and more and be a, a better person or do something better. And uh, challenges, challenges can be uh, big uh, or small, uh, depending what you are working with and what you're dealing with. I think the biggest challenge, uh, what I felt is uh, conveying or communicating your idea, thoughts, and dream to a different person. So when you bring up your idea, people usually pause, listen to it, and at first instance, most of them might not believe it. But eventually, when you are confident about what you're doing and show the progress, so the same people will come back to you, uh, join you, appreciate you, and uh, that's how you move forward. 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, communication's hard. And a big part of why communication's hard is that you don't know what the other person knows or, or doesn't know, right? So there's this curse of the knowledge that you have that's getting in the way of you being able to explain what you know, um, because you're, you're standing on top of all of this knowledge that you have. And the person you're talking to is not seeing eye to eye with you because they're, they're in a different place. They don't have the same knowledge. And so it's, it is a real challenge and, and something that I think, um, you know, is surprising to so many entrepreneurs that, that, Oh, there's this, I have this great idea and it's, it's obvious. And, and there's this problem that everybody has and it's just, it's just a no brainer. This will fall, this will solve all these problems. Why don't people pay for it? And, and, uh, it's a real challenge. This is why marketing is such a, such a, um, difficult thing that you, that you're trying to reach a broad number of people with a clear message that helps them very quickly identify a solution that that's worth paying for. That's a, that's a, that's a big, uh, that's a big undertaking. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And, uh, and also just to add a point to it, uh, everyone in spite of being a physician, every physician has their own pain points and challenges. So everybody wants to hear about their own uh, pain points. It's true. How can, how can your solution uh, solve my problem? So, uh, Understanding the, uh, I won't say like individual, but understanding uh, problems of that particular group and addressing uh, those challenges and approaching it in a way that's, that is uh, convincing to that group is also a challenge. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about sales really. And sales is, sales is kind of the, heart and soul of just about every business. And, and I don't think, um, I don't think, you know, you think in medicine, you don't have to sell, you know, you're just, you're just, you know, people get sick and you're just taking care of them. But, but you do, um, at different levels, if you're going to have a successful business, there's going to be sales involved. One of the most, um, I don't, are you familiar at all with spin selling that concept of spin selling? There's a, there's been a book and there's been a lot of uh, teaching on this on this concept. Are you familiar? Yeah, I'm learning about it now. Yeah, good. Well, I'll, I'll give I'll give just for the listeners that are interested in Larson's you know two minute explanation of spin selling. But I, I've really been I've really been helped by it over the years. Is you know people well there's a there's a couple of connected ideas, but but the idea that most people um, don't want a solution that. Most people are conservative in their purchasing decisions, right? Most people don't, you know, my son's about to buy a com- his first computer and he's been on the internet for like two weeks researching. I mean, just night and day researching computers because he doesn't want to make a mistake, right? And so that's, that's typical. And it's like you're saying with even your business, um, patients, uh, more and more are going online and doing research. They want to, they want to make a decision that they feel is safe and tested. Other people have done it and it's worked. You know, they don't want to be the first one. Most people don't want to be the first one to try out a solution, right? Um, those are, those are in business. We call, we call those people the, uh, the, uh, well, even before early adopt- adopters, you have the visionaries, right? You have the people that are interested in, you know, just things that are new for the sake of the fact that they're new. Um, and those people are actually 
pretty easy to sell to, right? Because it's like, hey, this is new, this is different, and those people go, great, I want to try it. Um, unfortunately, that makes up like two percent of the population, right? I mean, that makes up just such a small percentage. The vast majority of people are way more conservative, and they don't want to buy something that they don't know works. So anyway, that spin selling. One of the ways I've thought about it is trying to have really good, really clear examples, stories, really, that demonstrate the the value of your product or your service to somebody in a in a particular scenario. And you don't know when you get on a call necessarily who what what person you're going to be dealing with, what kind of problems they're going to have. You have some ideas, obviously. But um but spin selling is really this this art of of interrogating the person on the phone before you give your pitch. There's this temptation that we all have to like get on the call and just start rattling off all the features and sort of overloading the person with all the information. And they kind of are stunned and walk away and go, okay, I don't know what to do with all that, but thank you. And spin selling is this practice of, of saying, tell me about your problems. You know, here, here's the general, you know, framework that we're talking within. Tell me about your problems and, um, and you know, what are you guys dealing with? And then, and then it's this, this, this art of, of asking even more to help that person connect the dots to, if you could solve that problem, what kind of impact would it make on you and your business or your life and help them to kind of connect all those dots? You're really teaching um, almost. And then you go, well, let me tell you about my solution because I think it does, it solves the problem you're talking about. And let me, let me demonstrate that with a story and you tell a story, right? And you show, look, somebody just like you had the same problem and they, and we were able to solve it. And then at the end of it, you, you, again, it's like teaching you go. So do you see how we solved the same problem that you were talking about? And do you, do you think now that it would actually make that impact that you talked about at the beginning of the call? Um, so anyway, it's, it's easier to explain, you know, than it is to actually do in a real, in real life. But, um, but it really is a, a, uh, it's, it's overcoming this challenge of, of, uh, of communication. And I, I do think it's a, a hugely underestimated factor in in being an entrepreneur. Sure, definitely. I mean, fortunately, we uh, before we started, we did a sur- survey among physicians and okay. tried to collect the pain points. Uh, uh, now, when you're talking about it, I just re- recall uh, how we started. So we collected the pain points for physicians who are practicing or running their medical business. And uh, when we had a good number of people who participated in the survey, I think it was more than three to four hundred positions. And we came up with those pain points. And uh, then after the pain points, we came up with the solution. That's great. And now when we are presenting our solution, uh, before launch, we had a group, I would say a huge group of physicians who are in our pilot program. We are close to 400 positions. And uh, plus uh, a few dentists, chiropractors, including nurse practitioners and physician assistants. So we are almost like close to 450 to 460 persons in our pilot group, even before the launch. So I think uh, um, I'm a little fortunate in this regard uh, that uh, kind of without knowing uh, the spin method, we kind of uh, implemented it and it's working so far good. Well, it's, you bring up, I mean, it's, it's all related, but, but you bring up the, the challenges of, of finding kind of product market fit 
with a particular market. And I think it's the other big mistake I think that so many entrepreneurs make is they see this huge market and they've got dollar signs in their eyes and they want to, and, and the thought is like, if we can just capture a small, small, small percentage, we will all be millionaires and, and, you know, be able to ride off into the sunset on our yachts or whatever. Right. And, and the reality is that to solve any one person's problem, you have to, you have to focus and you, and you can't solve, you have to eliminate you know, solving a lot of other people's problems. Um, and so that focus is such a challenge. Have, have you guys had that? I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to tackle such a huge problem. Have you guys been able to find kind of your niche and your target market and, and, and hone in on, on a, on a specific, um, a specific buyer or a specific market that you're really focused on? Yeah. Uh, we did, uh, marketing research, I would say. And uh, based on that research, we came up with a strategy and we pointed out our target uh, customers. I won't call personally as customers, but our target group of positions sure. who, who would be using this platform or who need this platform the most. And um, we also have designed a strategy to approach them and uh, try to provide them those comprehensive solutions. So ours is kind of like a one-stop shop uh, solution. We are providing all those tools, what opposition needs to run a practice successfully. So instead of them dealing with uh, five or six different vendors for the same uh, issues, we have provided one platform. And along this one platform, uh, we are more technologically advanced compared to the competitors in the market. And we are way, way cheaper. So we are saving tons of money for our providers too. So it's convenience, saving money, and as long as they're happy and we're making any positive impact in their lives, uh, we will be happy. That's awesome. Hats off to you. This is an exciting time, I'm sure, for you and your team as you all get this out into the market. And really, it sounds like just a, a few days or weeks. So that's that's exciting. Yeah, it is. It, it seems like uh, all the hard work for the year, year and a half. Now it's going live into the market and we'll be crossing our fingers to yeah. wait for the response. Well, we wish you all the luck. I'm sure it won't be what you expected. You know, it never is. You're, you're always expecting uh, your business to go one direction and ends up going another. But but I think that's the other skill and talent that you develop as a entrepreneur and I think emergency medicine prepares you well for this is that the skill of being able to pivot, you know, the, of being able to say, I thought I was dealing with this. I thought we were solving this problem. It turns out there's another problem or there's a, a better way to attack it. And really quickly, we need to make this adjustment. So I, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, if you're like any other business, you're going to have some of those moments in the, in the coming, you know, months and years where you have to think on your feet and pivot. But, um, but I think it's that's the fun that's the fun stuff of uh, of entrepreneurship and and I'm I'm sure it's going to go great. It is fun, as you rightly pointed. Uh, ER has taught me those skills like multitasking, prioritizing the most important thing first, and as you said, trying to do the right thing at the right time. These are the few skills I was able to apply without even knowing that it's coming from emergency medicine. That's right. Well, I hope that that the physicians who are listening today or, or to this episode will will be inspired to go out 
and take a crack at at you know what what part of your practice, what part of the world around you do you see needs uh, needs to be fixed, and and what ideas do you have to to bring to bear on that? And and uh, you know it's it's possible. Dr. Muhammad's done it, and lots of other physician entrepreneurs have. And I think it's um, I think at the end of the day, it's going to make it really is going to make this healthcare system better and. And I think it makes physicians better. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's important that our physicians really deeply understand, uh, how the healthcare system works beyond their, their narrow, you know, world or their narrow focus or specialty. Um, so I think this is, this is a good, even if it, if you, if you're not the next, you know, the next, uh, Steve Jobs or, or, uh, you know, Elon Musk, it's, it's still a, it's a great, experiences I think everybody should should um, should try their hand at is starting starting a business failing at a business being successful you know it, it's gonna make you better um, in a lot of different ways yeah definitely I mean uh, why not try and uh, and I would say I don't underestimate yourself who knows the time will show that you might be uh, next Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg so yeah uh, and anything can happen. Just stay positive. If a person like me can do it, I think everybody can do it. That's right. Well, it's been so fun talking to you, learning about VivoDoc and your journey, you know, as a physician getting from, you know, getting into medicine and, and finding this opportunity. And I really do wish you all the luck on it. Um, how can people, if somebody wants to learn more about you, about VivoDoc, where, where, where would you point people? Yeah, definitely. If you have any questions, interest, please feel free to reach out to me either on my LinkedIn or through my email. My email is my first name dot last name Rahman dot dot com. In fact, when we started this company, we had all investors as physicians. So our stakeholders in the company so far, they're all physicians. So that gives us an immense confidence that the end user is investing in our platform. And I definitely invite all my physician colleagues to kind of learn more what we are doing. And I would be happy to share what uh, what we have achieved so far and get everybody on board. That's great. Well, thanks for that. And uh, and thanks again for making the time to talk to us today on, on Branch Out. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great rest of your day, sir. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to Branch Out, a podcast by Sycamore. If you'd like to be featured on a future episode, connect with us at sycamoredocs.com. That's sycamoredocs.com.